Hello, welcome to episode 15 of the podcast. I've actually had some time to think today about what my next episode was going to be and it's come off the back of a week of some really interesting emotions that I've had. So I think I'm going to call this episode Emotional Burdening. Um, It's something I've talked about a little bit on the podcast, but haven't talked at great length about and it's kind of been brought to the fore a little bit this weekend. So I just kind of felt compelled to talk about what I mean by emotional burdening and, and ways that I'm kind of looking to keep moving forward with, I don't know, processing and trying to deal with my grief. And actually one of the catalysts for recording this episode was really randomly or probably not randomly looking at how I coach. So I've been on a a really big learning journey with my coaching over the last few years, but particularly this season, very much seated in my desire to coach having been inspired really quite significantly by Craig and his journey and and what he was starting to to teach me with my coaching and I think it would have been so easy when he died to really run away from from that side of hockey and hide away from it with the fear that I was never going to be the same kind of coach as him that I wasn't necessarily good enough and I actually have really embraced my coaching journey this season in a completely different way to how I would have done had Craig kind of still been alive so I've had some massive massive learnings from that perspective this year and it made me really think today about how perhaps the way I go about learning as a coach could actually help me process my emotions around my grief. One of the biggest things I've found as as a coach is that I love the reflective part of coaching. So reflecting on games, reflecting on coaching sessions, reflecting on my performance, reflecting on the team's performance. Because I love, I love the learning that takes place after reflecting. So it's very strange because it's actually recognizing that failure is a huge part of learning. So whether that's me maybe getting things wrong in my coaching, whether that's during training or whether it's in a game, as losing games, or whether it's just losing in general the learning that comes from the losing is incredibly valuable and it's not about burying your head and ignoring the fact that you lost a game and not learning from that loss so i've had some real challenges with accepting that 
when we lose, the failure isn't everything to do with me. It's not just me that meant that we lost. And at times I would and still do take it incredibly personally that I'm the only person who could have changed the outcome of that result. And that is absolutely a road to failure if that's if that's what you think as a coach. And I, I've really learned that really quickly and, and seen that massively over this season because we have lost a lot of games. And being able to reflect on the loss and turning it into a positive and moving forward and keeping things positive and keep believing in the environment that I'm creating has made me show has made me see how resilient I can be and how resilient my players can be and what we have built as a as a team is irrelevant some of the time to losing because it's about what we're building for the future it's not just about the here and now so I read um, a little blog piece that I put on my LinkedIn about imposter syndrome that I felt back in February how I had this huge crisis of belief in myself we'd lost a game and I just thought I can't do this I am a terrible coach I don't know why I ever thought I could do this I can't coach National League I think that everybody's better than I am I feel so useless and as if I know nothing and instead of believing that, what I actually did is I immediately went and got help. So I reached out to my coach mentor who is in place specifically for things like this. And what was really important in that situation was the reaching out, sharing how I felt, having somebody mirror back to me questions about why I felt that way. And the answers that I gave actually were then proven through the use of reflection and video to be completely unfounded. And so I very quickly turned myself around from this person who had no self-confidence, no self-esteem, no belief left whatsoever, complete imposter syndrome, to have an external person reflect back to me and me to then realize that absolutely I'm not an imposter in this environment. I am doing well. I am learning and I'm accelerating my learning by being open to that failure and to that vulnerability and working through my own insecurities and building my confidence. So what the hell is hockey and hockey coaching got to do with how I process my emotions around my grief? Well, I have had some real emotional burdening challenges this week. I had another couple of days where I went very much insular, felt very low, absolutely no reason whatsoever. There was no clear trigger. And to be honest, I've come to really expect that these days it's Grief just isn't like that. It just appears out of nowhere and that's fine and it's okay. Um, but yeah, just a really sad couple of days, really dark, really lonely, went very quiet, didn't want to reach out to people, couldn't reach out to people, didn't really know what to do. 
did share some vulnerabilities because I did go to hockey on Wednesday and and kind of showed some of my emotions because I was quite upset when I got there and it feels awful to show people vulnerability and weakness but ultimately it massively helps because you actually are able to share with people but I think one of my biggest sticking points for not reaching out when I feel so low is because I have this overwhelming feeling that I just don't want to be an emotional burden on other people and I know it sounds so counterintuitive and it's something I would be so disappointed if other people, my friends, felt that they couldn't reach out to me because they thought they were being a burden. But I have to say it's one of my biggest, biggest challenges. As time goes on, it gets harder. It's over a year. I know that people, not necessarily people close to me, but people around, just expect that, well, it's been a year, so surely you've moved on and moved out of that really raw crying phase of grief. No, the answer is I haven't. So I do just have these dips and I do go very insular and very just into my own brain and my own thoughts. Now I can still function, so I can still go to work and I can still go to hockey coaching and I can still pull myself together and deliver the things that I need to. But I just can't find ways still to reach out and ask for help at that point. And I've spoken in the past several times about this because it's that lack of the person who's in your in your environment all the time. So basically my other half, my spouse, my husband, he would be here. He should be here. He would pick up on these things and, and be able to reach into me. Now, if I feel low and sad, I have to actively reach out to tell people that's how I feel. And you just think, you wake up on a Thursday morning, just a random Thursday, it's a nice sunny day, and you go, right, so whose life do I now impact on, become a huge mood hoover, full on drain to this person, take what might have been a very casual Thursday morning for them, and bring them all the way down to my depressive grief level? The answer is, I don't do that because that's, I don't want that feeling projecting onto somebody else. And it's because it feels so rubbish that I just don't want somebody else to even feel vaguely near how rubbish I feel. And I get so much that that is entirely the wrong thing to do. And I'm trying so hard to not let that continue to happen in this cycle of feeling good, feeling rubbish, not reaching out, dealing with it myself, feeling good, feeling rubbish, not reaching out, dealing with it myself, and having to go through these ups and downs. It can be exhausting. Um, so I suppose why the hockey coaching thing came into it was 
well, when I struggle in my hockey coaching and I reach something that's really challenging and I, and I start to go internal, I'd go and ask for help and advice and talk to people about it and say, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And why did I feel like this? And I made this decision and this happened. And I think I had a really horrible coaching session on during the week. And actually, when I looked back at it and reflected and sat down and looked at it properly, I realized it wasn't a rubbish session and that there was lots of takeaways for me. There were lots of takeaways from the players. And I'm continuing to, continuing to improve and learn. And my players are continuing, continuing to improve and learn. So it's really interesting that I've landed on this and and I think actually I should be reflective on my grief and I should be then going to ask for help. But there's quite a, for me, there's a big elephant in the room and it's counselling. And I know lots of people around me keep saying, why don't you try it again? Why don't you try it again? And I'm such a, pig-headed person that if people start poking me in a way that I just don't want to hear or don't like to hear I'm again massively go defensive walls up insular I don't need to listen to this I don't need to listen to this I don't believe this I don't believe this so what I'm trying to do I think is be receptive and be open to that because so far I've had just not a good experience with counselling I just haven't found it useful at all in fact the last counsellor I worked with basically was like oh well you don't need counselling because every time you come here um you you know you're incredibly positive and you're clearly dealing with your grief really well what a load of bullshit that is because basically what I was doing was going to this counsellor and convincing her that I was fine which was ridiculous so it's really hard to try and and go again and try and access that help again because it hasn't been successful for me. And I also feel as though people around me, they, they come from an amazing place. They do. They come from a very kind and caring place. But sometimes I feel as though they're almost just trying to solve the problem for me. And I know that that's not what grief is. I know that grief won't ever go away. It will get smaller and it has got smaller, but it won't ever go away no matter how long it is. So it's different. It's different, especially when you lose your other half. It's different to a a relationship breakup or a marriage breakdown because those things you get over you want to get over you actively look to get over that person when your spouse dies you you don't want to get over them you're still in love with them in my mind i am still married i'm not widowed i still consider myself married i'm still hugely in love with my husband who just happens to not be here anymore so that's just a mind mess in its own right let alone the complexities that grief of any kind brings and everyone's journey is different and everyone's way of processing grief is different 
And I do want to take on so much of it myself because I know my brain, my body, I have to go through it. I have to be the person that makes conscious changes. So, you know, I've talked in the past about some unhealthy coping mechanisms and I haven't ever been specific about them because I just don't feel ready to. But I'm really, really pleased that those one in particular I haven't used for I'm going to say it's a streak for for the 16 day streak of not using that unhealthy coping mechanism and considering that I've had two periods of, of really low days and really dark days I'm incredibly proud of myself for that but I know that that's because I made a conscious decision to do that and it's not something that anyone can provide me strategies or tools to get over or get round. I always knew that that would be me making a conscious decision and saying, I'm not doing this anymore. I am changing my habit. I am changing my reaction to things. So I feel I've learned a lot over the last few weeks about how strong my brain is and how important it is in this process so I'm quite happy with where I am but I do understand where people who still see my raw grief or I reach out to them and tell them a little bit about my grief I understand that it can seem huge to them and they worry about me and they want to help me and they don't know how to help me and then I worry that I'm putting too much on them. So I stop reaching out because I don't want to put too much on them and and bring them down. So it's almost as if, I don't want to say I'm I'm going down the counselling road again, almost as a people-pleasing thing, but it's taking on board people's advice about possibly trying something again and so if I'm so open to that in my coaching journey and willing to learn and listen to people when they mirror things back to me then I should be as open in my normal life as well but I'm going to really take time and I'm not going to rush into trying to find the right person and in fact I think the right medium so actually going into uh, an office or a, a treatment room might not be for me it might be that I prefer to do it over a video chat or even a text chat with a therapist and that I need someone who can be there when my my days dip really low instead of having to wait for two weeks because my appointment's not due yet I can actually reach out to somebody right in the moment in that like the hot seat moment and be looking for support at that point because it might be then that I reach out to someone who I don't feel an emotional burden on because actually it's their job to listen to what I have to say at that point so yeah I'd say I'm climbing down a little bit from my super defensive reaction and personality to what people have been saying and looking to be more open and and listening but it is incredibly difficult to not feel the burden 
of you and your emotions and because at times I can be such a positive and colourful personality and particularly in my job, in my teaching, it's, it's so much based around energy and positivity and bringing the energy to a class and bringing the energy to a classroom. That, that in itself is exhausting, but to see me then at the other end of the scale, for, for a lot of people, they only ever see that super energetic person, that game face, whatever it is. So again, that's another, I don't want to say it's it's because I'm not, I'm scared to show show weakness because I'm not, I'm not scared to show vulnerability. It's just, I don't want that weakness and that vulnerability to massively impact on the people that I try and share it with. So yeah, I'm in a really interesting phase at the moment and navigating this post-year anniversary and heading into year two and lots of people cliche say that year two is very often harder than than year one because the more you move away from losing your loved one the less people remember that you've lost that loved one and the more people think that you are just operating quite normally because now you do operate quite normally for quite a large part of life so yeah I just I do want to try and I do want to move forward and I really I hate I do hate the really dark sad days it's just it's it's just rubbish the the being at home on my own feeling just lonely the only person in the house apart from the dog crying being sad everything angry that he's not here anymore even going out of the house on Wednesday to go to training it was cold and it was wet and I didn't even have him here to moan about the fact that it was cold and wet because we always used to moan about that because he hated the rain and he hated the cold and going to training together just made life so much easier. And I think that was one of the things that just really made me sad on Wednesday. I was so tired. I'd had such a busy few days at work and I just needed him there to just help, just take away some of that sadness and and feeling like I just wanted to stay on the sofa and not move and yeah it was it was it was weird and then when I have days like that and dark moments like that I just I have this overwhelming urge to just run away and I know it's ridiculous it's it's this fight or flight response to a traumatic event but I just at times get an overwhelming feeling to run from my life from the mundane reality of what life is and the having to do this and having to do that and the washing needs to be done and the dog needs to be walked and I have to get up and go to school again tomorrow and I have to get up and go to coaching again on Wednesday and the the con- like the continuing cycle of mundane normal life it's hard anyway believe me you know this is not nothing new this has happened pre-grief pre-craig dying 
but yeah so many times I'll wake up in the morning or I'll get part way through a day and think I just want to get into my car and I just want to drive away somewhere and it's because I just don't want to face the reality of of all of the emotions that I have to and I've I have to say I've noticed recently that I've stopped thinking about Craig so much I don't dwell on him I think about him and I see pictures of him but if I start thinking about memories at the moment I have to shut them down I do because I I have to kind of almost allocate time in the day or in the evening to actually be able to just sit and think about him because it brings up so much sadness immediately I start thinking about him my mood will just completely dip and go super low so I hate that as well. I hate the fact that at the moment I can't think about him too much because it just brings so much sadness and heaviness to me. And I almost don't want to spoil my own mood at that time. I'm trying to stay on this kind of quite level mood that I've got. And then I feel guilty for the fact that I don't think about him specifically. He's always there. He's always in my thoughts. There's photos of him everywhere in the house. I love it. He's on my phone. It's He is everywhere. He's always there. But if I take a second to think about him, bosh, it just hits me and just the dip is just, yeah, it's real and it's, and it's super raw and it's super upsetting. So I very much feel as though I'm going through a phase of super highs and super lows and some you know, neutral, tootling along. But it's almost the super highs are there to hide what I'm feeling at times and then the super lows kick in because I've been trying to hide it so much and it's exhausting bringing this kind of false energy that I do to so many areas of life that the lows are inevitable. So, yeah, I think I'm looking at new ways to try and and balance that. And it was really interesting that my coaching just kind of came to me today to really think about, well, why don't you start using some of the strategies that you've been using so well with your coaching and getting people to reflect back at you and embracing that process of learning about your grief and having it part of your life and, and not something just to be ignored and suppressed and um put away and not dealt with so yeah we'll we'll kind of see where that takes me it's this it's a different path that I'm looking to take at the moment so I'm sure in the next week or so I'll be able to come back on and and just reflect on what's happened what's changed if anything's changed if I've made any progress with heading down the counselling route and whether I've kind of implemented any of my coaching tools and strategies into my actual life and if I've actually been brave enough to reach out a bit more to those people around me. So, yeah, thanks for listening.